0: Hey, this is Todd Stacy and Mary Sell, welcome to In the Weeds with Alabama Daily News. We are just a few days away from the 2023 regular session of the Alabama Legislature, so everybody's getting geared up. Mary, are, I mean, are, you know, are, are we ready? Are we ready, ready for
1: this? We're ready. Good. Um, we got a plan. Let's do it. <laughs> <I> think
0: well, <laughs> and and. As part of that, as part of our preparation, um, yet another interesting and influential guest for In the Weeds podcast, Um, we are really excited to bring on and and welcome the House Minority Leader, Anthony Daniels uh, of Huntsville. Mr. Daniels, thanks for coming on the show.
2: Oh, thank you guys for having me.
1: We appreciate it very much. So you are recently reelected to your... Third term in the State House. That is, congratulations on that. Um, or condolences. <laughs> well, huh. We're going to keep it positive early in the session.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, look, looking at, at what y'all have in front of you, um, this looks like it's going to be a pretty significant session. And I know they're all significant. But there's there's some big lifts, especially early on uh, the session. It looks like. What what are you expecting, at least in that I guess first three weeks and until spring break?
2: Well, certainly um, expecting a a special session um, mm-hmm. starting out um, immediately after we you know when we gavel in. Uh, certainly the next day, expecting um, a special session to deal with the ARPA funding, um, which uh is going to be very interesting uh, i do think that uh, the budget chairman and, and um, members of the house and senate and the governor's um, cabinet and the governor has been done a good job of kind of listening to the members needs and their d- prospective districts but also looking at the actual state of alabama a needs assessment within the state of alabama and addressing some of the some of the Concerns um, from infrastructure down to just necessity needs uh, organizations that are doing the work to to support our communities across the state of Alabama. And so that's going to be significant. Um, The growing Alabama Jobs Act um, is going to be a significant piece of legislation that we'll be dealing with early on in the regular session. And so, you know, those are, those are right off the top of my head, those are really important issues. And of course, the budget process is working mm-hmm. itself, uh, working itself out uh, from an administrative, administration standpoint. But uh, once it gets uh, in our hands, who knows what may happen. We hope to get things. You mentioned the special session and
0: um, incentives. There had been some talk about, incentives being included in that special session. How, do you expect
2: that or, or, or do you expect it just to be a, an issue in the regular? I expect it to be an issue in the regular session, um, Todd. And and one of the reasons for that is, you know, you have what? 31 new members in the house. Uh, you got to give these, these individual, these members some time to really internalize and understand the process and be able to assess uh, what we're doing and how we're doing it and how it benefits their district and how it benefits the state of Alabama. Uh, it is extremely difficult, uh, to, to kind of convene everyone, um, to, to go through this process, uh, with those two, you know, major, um, items that, that you described the incentives as well as ARPA. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important that, uh, we take them one at a time, um, not to kind of push them into, uh, you know, they're already drinking out of a fire hose, uh, mm-hmm. but we certainly want them to enjoy the process and really understand and internalize kind of how things work and kind of grasp the concept. So I, I, I don't think they'll be at the same time.
0: It, it's it's kind of like thinking back four years ago, the uh, the gas tax and infrastructure plan, Rebuild Alabama, was was right at the beginning right and so um members that were just elected that was like their first vote and so maybe (laughs) a little tax (laughs) increase (laughs) yeah a a shock to the system a little bit
2: absolutely and when you're talking about spending large sums of money um you do have individuals that are coming in off of the campaign trail uh and oftentimes some of the rhetoric rhetoric from a campaign trail uh gets can get in the way of pri- uh, progress and so I'm very excited to give those members uh when you're coming off the campaign trail it's very difficult oftentimes to to really get away from that and so I think um, right now um, giving them the opportunity to see things uh, something positive that can be positive for their district is certainly a a, a different from 2018 um, the beginning of the uh, 20, the quadrennium right after 2018 um, is, you know, much, much different this time. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: On, on ARPA, I understand conversations are still ongoing on exactly what what that would look like. I understand maybe that there's a draft floating around, um, but broad brush, we've heard about infrastructure and water and sewer, some more broadband, some healthcare needs. What What is your um, what what have you been advocating for as far as any specific uh, needs with with ARPA? Because I mean that is that is the last presumably the last round of COVID money, federal COVID money that that the state will see.
2: Yeah, for me, Mary, I would tell you um, infrastructure has been one of the 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 things that I've been articulating because a lot of the uh, with one time money you want to make certain that the investments that you're making. Is going to yield a return. Sometimes, oftentimes, when you have this amount of money, you're really uh, unsure what to do and how to do it. Um, But I think in this um, unique situation, uh, one-time money, um, the priority, top priority has to be investment in people uh, as well as in in, in infrastructure. And so uh, what we're beginning to see is opportunities for, uh, there are some things about housing, a lot of healthcare needs, are in there. Um, and so, you know, those are some of the things in infrastructure, those are some of the things that I've been advocating for uh, and infrastructure, meaning, you know, whether it's um, sewer, water, or even uh, other types of infrastructure that really help local communities, specifically rural communities that, because oftentimes they have to have a m- matching funds to take advantage of a lot of these, uh, a lot mm-hmm. of the federal grants and opportunities. And we've made uh significant uh modifications to allow those communities that ne- don't necessarily have the tax revenue or the matching funds uh to to get an opportunity to to really develop and grow with some of this one time money gotcha
1: okay and um another significant um pool of money that you all will be be working on. And this session just seems so interesting to me, because there's so many separate pools of money that you guys have to deal with. I'm sorry, all
0: y'all that's lots, of lots, lots of money, lots of money, money,
1: um, 2.7 billion left over in the ETF from last fiscal year. Um, any what, what are you hoping to see that um, spin on there's been talks of tap tasks? I'm oh, sorry tax rebates um some spending maybe some more savings what would um what are you hoping for there
2: well i'm hoping that um a lot of what we do actually help people and also help the economy when you see the rising costs, whether it's a grocery store or any um, whether it's any type of retail uh store or storefront um, you have to be concerned about um, the, the 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 your constituents pockets and, and their well-being and their and their lifestyles so i think for me um not necessarily with a with a tax rebate um still trying to kind of wrap my head around that uh, i'm more i'm more of an investment guy and working uh to to create more opportunities for people as opposed to just giving one-time money to folks like me i don't need uh, $200, um, rebate check. And there are a lot of folks that are probably about 20, 30% of the state that don't need it. And so I think we got to be good stewards of the taxpayers dollars. And so I think there are some ideas out there, uh, that have been floated around. Um, particularly that, uh, one of the things that I've been an advocate of is eliminating, um, the tax on overtime pay, uh, which, will put money, more money in the pockets of those working class individuals that actually, you know, work, uh, do the overtime. It'll be a 5% return for them.
0: All right, you're stepping on my question. I was going to ask you about that, but no, but please keep <laughs> going. But but can I can I back up just a little bit on the, the tax rebate question, if I may? Um, because what you just said is what I'm hearing from more and more people because this... This idea about the tax, a tax rebate, got floated. I don't know a couple months ago, I suppose, and it's just sort of gained steam, like like kind of a snowball effect. But I'm starting to hear a lot of pushback from Republicans and Democrats saying, like, as you just said, all right, if we do a tax rebate, uh, a single individual would, would get. You know, two hundred dollars a family would get maybe four hundred, at the top end maybe five hundred, and and is that that one time money? I mean, look, ever I'd love to have two hundred dollars. I'd love to have five hundred dollars, but is is that the best use of this two point seven billion that could maybe be invested elsewhere? Uh, so if I'm hearing that, and I hear you say that sounds like there's a lot of lawmakers that have a little bit of pause about this rebate idea.
2: Yeah, I, I think, you know, some of the things for me, um, Todd, um, when we talk about the grocery tax, right, there's always this excuse that, you know, we can't afford to the take the hit from a elim- totally eliminating the grocery tax. Well, I have a different view of, 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 of how much the actual hit is going to be to the education trust fund budget if we eliminated the state portion of the grocery tax. Um, There are some that say, you know, we're going to take that that's a significant hit and we're not going to be able to recover from that. But I disagree. I think that when you um, eliminate the grocery tax and it puts more money in, in the pockets of of Alabamians, um, they are going to spend money in other areas that's going to yield returns. Because at the end of the day, when a person has money, they're not just buying groceries, right? They're spending money on other items, and if they have more money, they're going to spend more money, right? And so um, it'll just come back to you from a, in a from a different in a different form. It'll come back to you possibly on you know from a retail or storefront, right? And so it'll come back in different ways, um, and so I don't I'm not necessarily um, buying into the excuse of not taking advantage of uh, of of the gro- of eliminating a grocery tax i am open to the idea of doing a grocery tax holiday so left for example if we took the month of month of june for example and say okay june or may uh, we're going to do we're going to eliminate the tax on groceries and let's compare at the end of that month let's compare the month of june this year to the month of june last year huh? just to test and see if in fact What we're saying is accurate. I would tell you that there could be dipping the toe in the water a little bit. Absolutely, there could be nothing further from the truth. That's a good talking point to say that um, you know that's a significant hit, and we're not going to be able to recruit. Well, I think you. I I I have the my belief is the uh, total opposite. I think you will see people spending money in other areas that we are receiving tax revenue from, and so I don't think I don't buy into the idea uh, that they're going this is going to be a significant hit long term hit. i don't think it's going to make i don't think it's going to be a 10 percent difference I, on.
0: one one thing on that on, on the grocery tax issue i was talking with representative mcclammy a few days ago and th- this issue of local taxes came up right um so if you know st- state sales tax is four percent but Most localities, counties, cities have their own sales taxes. Uh, And that's, which is, you know, more. Like in Montgomery, I think we're at 11%, maybe 10%. So there's some concern that if the state takes away its 4% sales tax, these local entities, cities, counties, will just increase theirs by that four percent to kind of make up the difference um with thinking maybe nobody will notice and and there's some talk about maybe including in the legislation something to to restrict that is that is that talk real
2: well yeah i've heard some talk about it but you know we 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 get we get folks hopes up even about um, home rule right but at the end of the day um until you see a concerted effort or coalition being built to actually solve the problem is not going to happen because those individuals that are opposed to the, is like the idea, but are concerned about, uh, the hit to the budget, the education trust fund budget, as a result, uh, they're, they're, they're not having, they're saying things positive in the, on the, you know, on the surface, but behind the scenes is a totally different conversation. And mm-hmm. so, um, I think that we should add some provisions inside of the legislation to uh, to ensure that cities and counties are not necessarily moving, increasing their taxes as a result uh, and that they would have to go through more of a local delegation, um, you know, local legislation in order to to get it done. Um, after following the passage of the legislation, and at that point, the voters are going to take care of those individuals that choose to make that decision, and so it won't be something that we will. It'll be out of our hands. Um, but I do think that they'll what they'll find is unless you only have a grocery store in your county or in your city, um, I just do not see um, the loss of revenue being as significant as one would think.
1: Hmm. You mentioned the uh, need for a coalition. Um, Democrats have been talking about getting rid of or at least reducing the grocery tax um, for 15 years. It's only been in the last couple of years that the Republicans have, a few Republicans have started talking about it out loud and and now we've got some new members coming in and a few of them have run on it, new Republican members of the House. Are you encouraged? Are you seeing a little growing support across the aisle?
2: I think that the only happy medium is to do um, a holiday to test the waters because the points that are being articulated to some of these new members is the same points that have been articulated to us for some years. And oftentimes they start to back up once there's pushback as it relates to the the budgetary um, hit that we're going to experience. And so I think that in order for us to really advance the legislation the way we need to, we got to start having a conversation about how we test it out. But Mm -hmm. I will tell you, um, I don't personally need a test. I could tell you with absolute confidence that, you know, if, you know, with representative McClamish bill, I'm going to support her bill. And I support the idea in general, but to be someone to kind of bring the sides, opposing sides together. To really look at testing the facts, um, I would be for more of a holiday um, doing it a month holiday um, to to really test the waters. And then then that w- therefore we'll be able to look at um, our um, revenue that we brought brought in or didn't mm-hmm. bring in. And we'll be able to decide at that decide at that point whether or not what we're saying is accurate.
1: So is that legislation that you might bring? Is that an amendment that you'd like to see on any, any,
2: I mean, if there, if the holiday is the first
1: step, right? So how, how do we get there?
2: If if I see that there is not a, any support for uh, representative McClamey's bill, um, I'll yeah. encourage her to possibly introduce that. And I was yeah. co it. but I don't want what we've been talking about and what she's so passionate about to go away. It's just that, if the no votes or the concerns um, are much higher and if we don't get it done in the beginning of the session, you know, they'll allow time to run out. And from a strategic standpoint, I don't want them to tell her something and not be not stick to their goods, because at the end of the day, you got to count votes. And well, to,
0: to that point, I, I don't see anybody voting no. Right. It's, it's getting to the floor. Right, I I, I I can't remember. Like Mary said, this issue has been around probably more than fifteen, probably like twenty years. Because um, I remember John Knight bringing it, um, you know, way back when. Um, but I don't remember a vote. I don't ever remember it actually getting to the floor because it it, it get you know it gets gummed up in committee and, and things like that. Because, like you said, people have been concerned about um the hit on the etf um well let me let me get back to your point about um overtime uh you've when we were um talking at that bca panel <laughs> you kind of brought it up but there was not enough time to really expound upon it can you just go soup to nuts on what your overtime proposal is and how it might work and 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 is there legislation?
2: Yes. Um, and so th- essentially it's um, individuals right now, we're, you know, we're collecting taxes from a baseline of for, for, for the 40 hours we're collecting it for overtime as well. So if a person works 40 over 40 hours, they get time and a half and the state of Alabama is collecting at 5% on the, the overtime as well. Income tax, right? Income tax. Yes. There. So the, the employer is actually, um, doing more of their, they're, they're removing those, you know, to, to, they're removing that from, um, when they're doing, you know, when the person receives their paycheck, that's already being removed, um, before they get their, uh, their checks at the end of two weeks or a month or however it's done And so it's pre-tax they're basically withholding those, that 5% for the state of Alabama, as they're doing for the federal government. Right. And so what this will this particular um, bill would do is it would allow it will remove the state portion of the income tax for overtime pay only. The first 40 hours would not be impacted. What would this do? Well, for a person making $15 an hour, $996 every two weeks, uh, working 10 hours of overtime each week. I mean, they will receive, I mean, working 10 hours of overtime, they will receive $111 more at $15 an hour per pay period. So therefore that's more money going to the individual and that individual, um, will spend those dollars. Right. And so you'll recoup that you'll recoup that money either way. So they're going to spend the money and it will come back to you at the very least. it'll be a wash from a budgetary standpoint, but I see it actually bringing in more revenue because if you bought eggs a couple of years ago, right, you're looking at two dollars um at most two two and a half two dollars fifty cent. shoot not now now hmm. you're looking at like eight dollars right in some places, and so When it's $8 versus $2, when you're looking at that one product, the tax on the $2, right, is less, right? So you're looking at what, maybe 22 cents of tax. Mm -hmm. But if you're looking at $8, you're looking at if the tax in Montgomery is 10 cents, right? You're looking times, you're looking 10 times eight, right? You're looking at 80 cents. Well, guess what? The state of Alabama is collecting more at that particular point. So you're, 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 you're bringing in 80 cents on that one item, whereas a year ago, you were only bringing in 10 cents or 20 cents. Right. So it's going to it's growing. You, you, you know, every time you buy something now, it's actually um, generating more income for our budget. But when you have when folks have more money. They're going to spend more, and they're going to be able to afford these items that these items that they need, whether it's at a storefront or at a grocery store, uh, or they they're going to um, to the beach or somewhere um, um, and staying overnight, what have you. So we're collecting all of this tax revenue, and so if a person has more money, they're going to spend more money, and so this is giving the individual um, employee an opportunity to make more money. It makes it worthwhile for them to work overtime. It's in, it incentivizes overtime working, but for the employer, it increases their production. So if I have four employees that's working 10 hours of overtime, that's the equivalent of a, of having five employees because it's four times 10 is 40 hours, right? It, in an environment where there is a worker shortage. Absolutely. So it increases productivity. So you're having four employees producing at the rate of five. So if you have 80 employees, they're producing at the rate of 100 employees. And so, but at the same time, that employee is taking home more money. Hmm. And that's more money for them and their families to to be able to provide for their families. And then also it generates more tax revenue for the state of Alabama. And so we can't look at this we're looking at everything as the hit is going to take on the, on the educated trust fund. Well, actually it's going to put more money back into the educated trust fund. Well, I'm, I'm giggling
0: because, um, all right. The, the two issues we've talked about, two proposals we've talked about so far on this podcast are both tax cuts, right? Um, mm-hmm. a grocery tax cut and a tax cut on overtime. um, mm-hmm. And you're the minority leader. You're the Democrat, right? I mean, it it, it, it it reminds me of Bill Clinton. Um, his his strategy of triangulation, where he would make proposals that Republicans couldn't argue with. It's like, mm. oh, well, yeah, okay, <laughs> we're, we're for that. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious when you we've already talked about grocery tax, but on this overtime proposal, have you t- like what what has been feedback from Republicans who control this supermajority about what is essentially a tax cut for working people.
2: Oh, they love it. I mean, I've had people reach out to me, um, even individuals that want to co-sponsor and sponsor in the upper chamber. So it's 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 and they're Republican. And but this and also, is a bill
1: that you will you will be filing. Absolutely.
2: Soon? Okay. Yes, I will be. I, I want to kind of get through. Um, All of the ARPA and and incentive package before we start re, you know, keep we want to keep the conversation going about the overtime tax, and then um, what what's what's interesting, uh, Todd, is that individuals like you know there got to be something wrong because this idea seems it's a no brainer, but it just got to be something wrong. It's something I'm missing. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Wait a second. Why why didn't we think of this? (laughs) (laughs) Basically. But when you're dealing with an economy like we're dealing with, you got to think outside of the box. You got to be able to solve the problem of, okay, we can't force a mandate on businesses to be able to say, Oh, you need to pay this amount hourly. Right? unless there is an incentive package they get from the state of Alabama and some of those milestones are in place but existing businesses within the state of Alabama that are looking for workforce that's falling behind on production this is a no-brainer for them well it increases the amount of money a person brings home so it's a working class it's basically a, an opportunity for working class people to make more money, hmm. and I think it's things like this that we got to think outside of the box and 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 do things that have never been done before, and talk about things that have never been tried. Yeah, but if there's some pause on any of it, you have the ability to to sunset it, or you have an ability to to just test it out. Yeah, well, it, it, I
0: think Mary's going to ask a ask you about school choice in a minute, which is tied into this conversation, but um, both with, you know, like I said, grocery tax, this, this overtime proposal, as you mentioned, opposition is not about whether or not to give tax cuts. I think people are, you know, generally popular with lawmakers. It's about revenue and it's about this system that we have um the system of taxation that we have and and it's many times we're so reluctant to change that upset the apple cart um and and, i mean this 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 goes back probably 70 years or more And, and so is that kind of frustrating to you as a lawmaker that all right every every good idea or good or bad every idea that comes along it's like well no this is the way that our, our system is set up. Uh, we, we can't upset that. You know it, That's got to be frustrating um, from a lawmaker's perspective because it limits what you can actually propose.
2: Well, Todd, I think, you know, for me, I, I thank God for folks like you and Mary and others that are out there that's reporting these things, right? These ideas so that the public can get engaged. You know, when... 20 years ago, 30 years ago, uh, there wasn't a podcast, right? There wasn't um, Facebook or any social media sites to, to be able to put an idea or a message out there. But having good reporting is the key to moving legislation like this. I personally believe that this legislation can be moved um, and that I think that uh, it'll be hard for a person to be opposed to it um either one um and um there are strategies to make certain that things are moving pretty quickly and i don't see uh, a reason for from a revenue standpoint for a person to, to oppose the idea but i think right now folks are looking for ideas because we're limited on our ability to to try to solve problems because we're responding to crises all the time right And so there's not been a whole lot of opportunity to be proactive. And I think that right now, these are some policy um, wins that could be for everyone. And at the end of the day, you know, my ideas are not just, I'm a Democrat, absolutely through and through, but my ideas and everything that I've ever pushed Todd has had overwhelming bipartisan support. There's never been a piece of legislation that I've had that was close in passage or I mean, mm-hmm. of, of failing to failing a uh, falling short of, of being able to move across the finish line is because I try to find areas of common ground and work there with thinking about the, the citizens of Alabama and less about, uh, the, 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 the partisan divide. That's, that's just not how I operate. You know, mm-hmm. in my role, yeah, I have to do things and say things and get involved in various, um, you know, philosophical different. There are some philosophical differences in certain policies, but at the end of the day, um, we got to acknowledge that, uh, you know, we're not that far apart on issues that impact the citizens of Alabama. And so while this is an idea that, that, you know, I have in um, and, and some policy discussions that, but I've had policy discussions with folks on the other side of the aisle. And so I just see this as an opportunity for, for us to a, Retain uh, the current employees, um, uh, incentivize these employees, as well as attract industry. Because if industry in other areas see that we're allowing, uh, we're moving the tax on overtime pay, they'll be knocking on the door. You won't have to call them.
1: Hmm. Interesting. Um,
2: this is about production. And if there's the workforce, there's a shortage. Todd, this solves that problem immediately. And it incentivizes people to want to go to work.
1: Interesting. Have you talked to um, any of the the budget chairs on this?
2: I have. I have. And they like the idea um, in in the House. I haven't talked to um, Senator Orr. I did introduce this idea at a chamber event that he was attending. He and I didn't get a chance to visit on it.
1: Gotcha. Um, Okay. But I
2: think at the end of the day, um, you know, we got to do what's going to solve a problem. Right now, this particular overtime tax solves the problem of productivity and hiring. And it also solves the problem of individuals being able to earn more money.
1: Gotcha um representative I know I told you when I set this up 20 minutes and we've blown way past that and I know you have someplace to be can I ask you one more question though about uh Todd mentioned uh, school choice um that that will probably be a, 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 at least a conversation I know there's there's some lawmakers that really want to push for allowing public dollars to follow a kid anywhere are are you gearing up for a fight on that or what what are you looking at there
2: Listen, some of these ideas that folks are having have have been tested in other places and have not been successful. Mm -hmm. And so I'm a data guy. I'm all about the outcomes. Uh, We've seen in places like Florida, where they've done a similar voucher program to where um, these institutions in these schools end up having increased their tuition. And guess what? A poor kid from a poor family with let's say it was $6,000 and the tuition goes up to $8,000 or $10,000, right? Mm -hmm. Where's that poor family? Where's that family going to get the $4,000 on top of what that, the dollars that's following that kid. So at the end of the day, is this about solving the problem of closing the achievement gap? Or is this about giving individuals that are homeschooling, choosing to homeschool their children an opportunity uh, to get, to get money back?
1: Yeah, just like this is, this is,
2: yeah, this is not about if it's about solving an a problem, let's solve a problem, but it's not about solving the problem. There's no evidence out there that shows that the voucher and savings account model actually have improved the quality of education. And I've said, I've said it before and I've said again, have anyone talked about building interstate 64? 63 or 66 next hmm. to 65 hmm. no they haven't if 65 have uh, have um, you know potholes mm-hmm. are you gonna build a new road or are you gonna fix the, the potholes on 65 right well you're gonna you're gonna build uh you're gonna uh, fix the potholes on 65 and that's how i feel about education right now we have a, a lot of we have a choice i have a choice as a parent I can afford to send my child to a private school. And if I chose choose to do that, I will do that. But I'm not gonna take away from the kids and the the families that actually need the help. Now, I will say this, I am not satisfied with the outcomes, period. But I also see the infrastructure that's not in the appropriate infrastructure from birth to pre-K, and then looking at other innovative ways from middle school reading parental involvement to pathways none of those things are universal in our our public education system i would like to see those things happen
0: You, you bring up an interesting point about existing schools existing infrastructure you know versus um like i said with the with the esa model education savings account model at least in what's been proposed so far yeah parents get to take Get to keep, I suppose, um, as much as six thousand dollars of their, you know, income tax that is earmarked for education, and and the theory is that okay, you can you can spend that however you want to send your kid to a private school, you know, a, a, a different public school. There's some kind of gray areas there, but I'm I'm hearing pushback from lawmakers, even in, especially Republicans, saying, well is that the best use of of our we do have a public school system in alabama and is that the best use of it um should there be assuming this legislation goes forward you know should should there be talk of a means test right like i, th- I think a lot of people see it as you know parents that are currently sending their kids to private school simply, it, basically you just get a tax break And is that helping solve the problem Um, or as you know, we had Terry Collins on the podcast uh, a few weeks ago saying, let's invest more or or, let's double down more on what existing policies we have charter school law, uh, Alabama accountability act. So I I don't know. Does does this conversation lean more toward
2: some of the existing models that are already in place? So here, here's where I am. All right. Research tells us that every dollar invested in an early childhood saves us $7 in corrections. But when you look at the schools that are considered underperforming and you look around those schools, and if you even if you poll the kids that are in those schools, I can assure you that the majority of them have not gone to school from one year old or developed or child appropriate child uh, development center with the curriculum uh, around them from birth or one years old to, and then went on through pre-K. I can assure you that that infrastructure is not in place in those communities. So if we know that, then why aren't we focusing on early childhood from the birth to pre-K model, making certain that those infrastructures are in in place and there's access whether it's a mixed delivery system, private, I don't care whether it's private or public at the, at the front end, right? It is developing that child so that they are ready for kindergarten and that we can reduce some of the, the funding on intervention, right? We're spending so much on intervention, but are actually getting yielding the outcomes that we need. Secondly, on the Alabama accountability act, it's here. I'm not looking to say, Oh, we need to repeal or I'm not doing that. That's not my interest. My interest is are the kids that are leaving the underperforming school now performing via the uh, Alabama accountability act. Well, there's no data that's tracking the, the students progress. So we don't know whether or not the investments we're making is actually working. And so it's like we're creating policies without actually Forcing data to be uh, focusing on the outcomes. You can't do that. That's a bad investment. So I can't support the expansion of anything until there's data that supports that what we're spending is actually yielding the returns. Same thing with public schools. If that school is not working, we should be looking to figure out why it's not working and address those issues so that we eliminate the bottleneck so that we're not creating an opportunity for the next generation or a generation after that to come into the same situation. And we have the same discussion 20 years from now, almost like almost sounds like a conversion charter school. Yeah. I, I mean, for me, I, I don't the Whatever is here. Whatever we have in the infrastructure, I know that I don't have the votes to overturn any of that. But I do want accountability to the Accountability Act and accountability in the charter schools as well, just like I want from the public for the public school. But I want them to start strong. As the governor said, you know, you know, I think the governor has done a, a tremendous job. But I just think that, you know, there are some things that are working. I think that count of uh, the Illiteracy Act. Uh, I certainly applaud uh, Representative Collins. She did a good job with that. I wasn't so sure about it in the the beginning, but guess what? The data tells me that it was the right thing to do. Right? So I'm on board and I voted for it. And the Numeracy Act, the same thing. I want to give it an opportunity to work because at the end of the day, um, we got to put more accountability on the front end, but we have to do it before they get to school. We got to look at the environment before they get to school. We got to partner with churches that have development centers, child development centers. We got to partner with businesses that are now looking to add child care centers on site. And we got to make sure that there's curriculum that's helping develop the mind of that young person so that when they get to the public school, that we've eliminated some of the barriers that have taken place and exist existed in uh, in places that are underperforming for a number of years. It's a no it's it's, it's actually simple. But nobody wants to do the hard work,
1: wow, interesting, Representative, thank you so much. Um, I know again, I told you twenty minutes, and we are we're rolling up on an hour. I know you have places <laughs> to be. Thank you so much for for taking the time. I know it's it's very valuable, especially gearing up for for next week,
0: yeah, well, thank no. you so much and and we'll we'll continue this conversation on Capital okay. Journal. All right, thank you. All right. Um. Wow, that was great conversation.
1: Yeah, there was a lot of news in there.
0: Yeah, I feel like we could have talked for another hour. I know.
1: I know. I know. I know that he has places to be. uh, Yeah.
0: Well, but and I, it's my fault because I kind of am interested in in politics and these these things. Like, (laughs) (laughs) well, well, like like the tax cut question. Like, right. um, I mean, come on. You know, the the two biggest proposals from the House minority, at least, are tax cuts. Yeah. You know, it's it, it, making it like no no Republican would vote against that on the floor. Um, it's it's getting it to getting the it floor. There. Yeah. Um, and and look, I I, I completely understand why these things have institutional barriers right like grocery tax mm-hmm. plenty of institutional barriers in terms of revenue and uh, you know like some on the retail side will come in and say hey well we can't it's really difficult for grocery just stores takes, yeah yeah like just to, to, to scan different products in different ways and all that and then you've got like like we talked about with the locals and um do, do they raise their taxes, Uh, you know, same thing with overtime. I'm I'm sure there are institutional problems there, but I just think it's interesting that, you know, again, going back to that Clinton comment, like they're proposing things that would really, uh, Republicans would have a hard time voting against.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the, when you start talking about, a tax cut on overtime with everybody, everybody needing more employees. That's, that seems like it would gain a lot of support pretty quickly.
0: Yeah. um, So what used to happen back when Democrats were in control of the legislature, when they were in the majority in both houses, um, sometimes Republicans would propose something that was, you know, popular Uh, like you know a republican senator or representative would propose something and the democrats would go and co-opt it right (laughs) like basically copy the bill and and propose it themselves and it's 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 our idea right i i I wonder if something like that might might happen here
1: yeah and that's what i've thought about like as we hear a little more conversations about a grocery tax if that ever happens i'm willing to bet that it'll be sponsored by a Republican, <laughs> even though Democrats—this has been their issue for like, as you said, more than fifteen years.
0: But I, it has, it has. But that, but that that's a good point. And I mean, we look, we, we already went too long with him. I didn't think it really mattered to to bring up. But think about that: Democrats had a supermajority in the legislature up until twenty ten. Right. If they had every ability to pass a a, a tax. A grocery tax repeal. Sure. Every, I mean, for years, and John Knight was the was the chief sponsor. He was the general fund chairman. Um, they had a, every opportunity, uh, which speaks to the institutional barrier point I made. The reason why it hasn't happened is because of the ETF. Is because of the education revenue that it brings in, mm-hmm. and it, and and that. Uh, especially when Paul Hubbard was around and, and AEA was just dominant in the legislature, you don't touch the ETF. That was the, that was the rule. Yeah. Uh, and so, I, I, and and yet Republicans have been in charge for what? 12 years. Tw- tw- 12 mm-hmm. years now. And they haven't passed it either. So yeah. it just, it just speaks to the, it, it's, it's not really a partisan issue. It's, it's more of an institutional issue and, uh, we'll see. but I, I uh, talking with him and talking with representative McClammy, I think they're more serious about it now in terms of they want to pass a bill, not just talk about it. I think in yeah. the past it's been more like a, a an issue, like a, 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 a cudgel almost, but I think that I'm hearing more and more that people actually want to pass the bill, which is different. Interesting.. Okay. What else?
1: I was I was interested in what he said about the the incentives bill because we've heard some back and forth about would that be in a special would it not him saying he thinks it'd be in the regular and giving giving lawmakers especially these new lawmakers time to to wrap their minds around it ah uh, get right with it I I just I cannot imagine a new lawmaker coming in and, and I know you know they run on small government Republicans running on small government fiscally. Conservative, but I just I cannot imagine a lot of vocal uh, opposition to to this incentive package that Ivy and uh, Lieutenant Governor Ainsworth and Commerce has been working on.
0: I agree, and and I I was surprised by that too because I've sort of been assuming that the incentive package will be in the special session with ARPA, and yeah, so that's that's news. Um, of, co- of course, it's, it it still could be. Yeah, and there's it, a lot it, of moving it, parts between now yeah. and
1: Tuesday or next week.
0: <laughs> and and so, like for the governor, it it's kind of a risk to to not right. include it, right? If if she puts it in the call, if she puts it in the special session with ARPA, it's I mean, it's a guarantee. It's a lock. It passes. Yeah. Now, look, some people. You know, some lawmakers, like you said, the new lawmakers may be a little, you know, it may be a shock to their system, but it'll pass. Right. It, if you don't put it in the special and it just comes up in the regular, all right, look, it's still going to probably pass, but you're you're opening up the process right. to... Uh, a lot of debate, a lot of amendments, things like that.
1: Right. Well, you're given. I feel like with this and with ARPA, the more time you give people and lobby, lawmakers and lobbyists, the more time you give them to think about what other districts are getting or what other folks might be getting, the the more problems you have. So I just right. assumed, get it in, say, hey hey, kids, this is what we're doing, <laughs> and, and get it done. And,
0: and that's kind of in her MO, right? right that's and, what
1: they did yeah. on the gas tax. I mean, they gas passed tax. a gas tax in, was it five days, six days? Like. It,
0: was, it was quick.
1: So, And, and that's how they and passed then, and, ARPA, and, and ARPA last won. year. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I think she didn't call the special right. I think it was a weekend of the session that they did, did ARPA. But, I mean, everybody knew the, knew the plan. I mean, she's not going to call a special session unless she has the votes. I mean, she's, she's been very strategic about that. Um, And, and, you know, most governors are, I remember, I don't know, was it 2015 or 2014 when we were having budget problems and there were a couple special sessions on the, the general fund or was it the education budget, but anyway, calling a special session and then having a bill fail is embarrassing and and Ivy has not done that. It's uh, gotten her, her, you know, they have their stuff together going into a special session. So, yeah, I just assumed incentives would be,
0: be part of that. We'll see. I also think the governor sees incentives as a <clears throat> not just a, a thing that we need to do, but a, a winning issue to say, all right, we're, we're we'll pass this, these measures. And, and not just like, oh, well, well, we had to do this. We had to reauthorize because they're expiring this year. but Right. But, but kind of use it as this is our you know, next 10 years of economic development. Right.
1: And I mean, this has been a, this is, um, there was a committee looking at this and it was chaired by Lieutenant Governor right? Ainsworth who has higher aspirations. Uh, and and so you I think? just, I, I'll be very curious when those votes come in on this, if anybody votes against it, I'll, I'll be curious to talk to them about why.
0: Well, Andrew Sorrell is no longer in the House of Representatives. So oh, yeah. We, so we, that's... <laughs> we, we can always count on that no vote. <laughs> he voted anything. against
1: the education budget. <laughs>
0: well, that's right. And the general fund, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. But, all right. We are running long. Yeah. Um, which is completely my fault. Uh, just. Well, Representative
1: um, Daniels brought some news. So
0: He did. He did. And um, like I said, I'm interviewing him. Uh, later today on Capital Journal, so we'll, we'll have them in both worlds. But um, well, Mary, this has been a lot of fun uh, getting is. this podcast back, and I'm looking forward to the session. I will.
1: I'll see you I- next week.
0: That's right, face That's to right. face. <laughs> well, but I have to tell you, so you kind of wonder who listens. <laughs> you know, you kind of wonder uh-huh. uh, who who reads, who listens, that kind of thing. So I was down at the Alabama Forestry Association um policy conference this uh, earlier this week and I got so many comments um from folks saying, hey, great podcast with you know the speaker, great podcast with whatever nice. I was I was kind of blown away um oh, one lawmaker came up to me and said, well I've just, I, I feel like I've been talking to you this whole time because I, I drove down to point Clear." And I've been listening to you and Mary for an hour and a half. <laughs>
1: nice. awesome <laughs> poor guy.
0: <laughs> yeah. So anyway, it, it's it's cool to hear that feedback. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. I've gotten some positive feedback too. Um, <laughs> Senator Chambliss, a couple of weeks ago, he said, I don't know who your intended audience is, but I really like this, but I'm a, I'm a in the weeds kind of guy.
0: <laughs> walks, walks <laughs> yeah. Every, everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well look, great pod. Um, cool. thanks for thanks for lining up, Mr. Daniels. And no um, problem.
1: I'll talk well, to you soon. Okay.